Hello and welcome to Original Sound Chat, where video game music is a work of art. On each episode, it's our goal to help you earn about two soundtracks from the world of games, as well as the people, stories, and critical tracks behind them. My name is Joe DeVader, and we're brought to you by Anonymous Dinosaur and Rhymes with Asia. It's time to appreciate great OSTs and the games they come from without getting too bogged down in music theory. Up first, for our one game this week, because it's just me, is 1987's Final Fantasy, one of the most important video games to ever release, beginning one of the biggest franchises the industry knows, and launching one of its best musical pedigrees to boot. Yes, that's right, children, you're stuck with me alone this week. Uh, Peter's quite busy. And so, I had my uh, research all done already, and uh, we decided, hey, let's just do a solo episode. And what a game to do a solo episode on, to be perfectly honest. No pressure on me. Hi, what are you doing? What are you playing, Joe? Well, funny you should ask that, Joe. What am I doing? I have been playing Theatrhythm Final Bar Line a lot. Uh, I was lucky enough to get a review code for the game, so I've been playing it for about a week. Put in about 22 hours at time of recording, and I still have not unlocked every song in the game. Uh, you unlock every song one by one by playing them in the series quest mode. And I passed the 300 songs played threshold last night. And there are almost 400 songs in the game. That's a lot of music. Uh, it's really good. If you're listening to this at a time of release, my review of it is actually out now. And you can watch it or read it and see if it sounds like the game for you. It is already a frontrunner for my game of the year. And it's only February. So that should say something about how much I am absolutely loving this game. So, we do have some news, and a lot of it, because there was a Nintendo Direct. It turns out that Peter was right on the money in calling a Nintendo Direct last Wednesday. And, wow, it was a hell of a Direct, I'm not gonna lie. Some of the things that are relevant to us, uh, Lena Rain was revealed to be working on a Don't Nod game called Harmony The Fall of Reverie, due out in June 2023. Ghost Trick Phantom Detective is coming to Switch this summer, and PS4, I believe, and that's... NPC. Yeah, those three, I'm pretty sure. That's awesome and was super unexpected, and uh, I'm glad more people are going to get to play Ghost Trick, because that game absolutely rules. Uh, for me, one of my favorite announcements was We Love Katamari Reroll and Royal Reverie coming out on June 2nd, which means people get to play the second best Katamari game. And, uh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. I will be playing the hell out of that. I can guarantee it. Sea of Stars got a release date at last. That's the developers of the Messengers game where they're basically making Chrono Trigger? I haven't played the demo yet. A demo did come out. I haven't had a chance to play it yet because I've been playing Theatrhythm. Uh, but it got a release date for August 29th. That game looks gorgeous and sounds amazing and I cannot wait to get my hands on it. One of the most surprising announcements they threw at us was a new Professor Layton game. Oh boy! This is the first one in a real long while. It's Professor Layton and the New World of Steam. We don't really know anything about it because literally all we saw was Layton 
walking down like a street or something, and then he turns around and looks at you. And that's the whole trailer. But, hey, more Layton. I will take it. I'll take more Layton any day. Meanwhile, on Nintendo Switch Online, uh, they added Game Boy and Game Boy Advance games. For Game Boy, that's for everybody that has NSO, and for GBA, it's for people that have the expansion pack, uh, including some games that we have talked about, in fact. Uh, especially for Game Boy, we've got Link's Awakening, we have Kirby's Dream Land, and one of the games that they put on the Coming Soon list was a Pokemon Trading Card Game, which is another game we have talked about on this show. Uh, and also for GBA, Golden Sun, which means we should probably talk about Golden Sun at some point, and I'm very excited to have like the ability to play that game. That sounds like a lot of fun. Meanwhile, outside of the Nintendo Direct, uh, very surprisingly, Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 and 2.5 are now available on streaming services, the soundtracks. That's awesome. Though when they say 1.5 and 2.5, they literally mean just those, like the tracks that got reworked. So 2.5, unfortunately, does not contain any of Birth by Sleep. That's sad, but I mean, maybe one day, but Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2, all of the reworked stuff from that, and also uh, the reworked stuff from Rechain of Memories, as well as 358 over 2, are all on there, and they're fantastic, and you should definitely go listen to that and hope that they release more one day. And lastly, in the weirdest piece of news I think I've gotten the whole week, a Fata Morgana spinoff released called Seventh Lair. And what it appears to be is they reused a bunch of assets and characters and made a completely unrelated alternate universe seeming story about an indie dev who gets isekai'd into his video game with some of his fans. Now, I have not played it yet. I bought it. I'm kind of stuck between I would trust the writers at Novectical with my life and while that premise sounds awful, I will play it at some point. I don't have high hopes for it. And I don't know. Maybe you'll hear me talk about it at some other point. I don't know. Weirdest, weirdest release of the year so far. All right, all right, all right. It's time to talk about one of the most important video games ever released. Like, by far. Because we're talking about the original Final Fantasy, which released on December 18th, 1987 for the Famicom in Japan, and then it would release in North America for the NES on July 12th, 1990, and it has since been ported or remade for the MSX2, Wonderswan Color, PS1, Game Boy Advance, PSP, Mobile, 3DS. It's been released on Virtual Console. It's on the NES Classic. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Nowadays, the easiest way to play Final Fantasy 1 is through the Pixel Remaster series, where it released on PC and Mobile on July 28th, 2021. It has been announced for a Switch and PS4 release, but there is no exact date announced for that yet. Final Fantasy was developed and published by Square, though it was published by Nintendo for the NES and GBA releases. 
It is an RPG! In fact, it happens to be one of the games that defined the structure of the subgenre we now know as JRPGs. This is the very first Final Fantasy game. We have talked about a lot of the Final Fantasy series, though the earliest game we have talked about up until now was Final Fantasy VI back in episode 23. And uh, obviously, you can't go back much farther than the original one. So, at the start of Final Fantasy, the player picks four characters, and by that I mean they pick four character classes. Uh, there are six options. You have Thief, Black Belt, Red Mage, White Mage, and Black Mage, which is really funny, because honestly, if you've seen the character that now represents FF1 whenever they have to put him in like a crossover or something, the Warrior of Light, he does not look like he fits literally any of those classes. He's like a paladin through and through, or something, I don't know. Uh, you are then locked into this party for the entirety of the game, so I hope you picked well. Apparently it's really fun to go with like four black belts. This sounds like hell to me, but that's what I've been told. Uh, when in a town, the player can talk to NPCs to get hints on where to go next, after which they will go onto an overworld and usually then enter a dungeon. Both the overworld and the dungeon, they'll experience random encounters of enemies like goblins and stuff like that. Battles are entirely turn-based. This is pre-ATB, which if you'll remember, ATB is the system that later Final Fantasies use where a bar fills up depending on the character's speed, and once that bar fills up, that's when they get to move, and everybody sort of goes in the order that their speed lets them go, and you have to be constantly paying attention instead of it being purely turn-based. In terms of the plot of Final Fantasy, this game's kind of really hard to uh, give a summary of the plot because it's really bare bones compared to like modern stuff. Like, there's a plot, there's a story. Uh, I'll just read the first couple sentences that Wikipedia says. The game begins with the appearance of the four youthful warriors of light, the heroes of the story, who each carry one of the darkened orbs. Initially, the Warriors of Light have access to the Kingdom of Corneria and the ruined Temple of Fiends. After the Warriors rescue Princess Sarah from the Evil Knight Garland, the King of Corneria builds a bridge that enables the Warriors of Light passage east to the town of Provoca. And then more stuff happens. Like, the, the plus summary on Wikipedia literally just describes every event, like, in chronological order, just in detail. Or as much detail as you can get in a game like this. Like I said, it's kind of bare bones compared to modern stuff, so it's a little bit difficult to figure out a way to really summarize the plot. Basically, these people have to fight chaos and do stuff. I don't know. And here's where I would usually ask Peter what his experiences with Final Fantasy 1 are, but I'm the only one here, so I'll ask myself, hey, what are your experiences with Final Fantasy 1? I've never played it. Part of me kind of wants to try the Pixel Remaster. I'm going to be real. I want to try every Final Fantasy in some form, even 2, even though I've heard 2 is absolutely awful. But I just, I have not touched Final Fantasy 1. A lot of people tell me that it aged pretty well, all things considered. But uh, I'm pretty sure I've been very clear about how I feel about NES games and how dated they are and how I dislike their general design. But... 
one day, maybe I'll like grab the Pixel Remaster when it hits Switch or something, and I'll, uh, I'll play it. I think it'll be fun. I don't know. Maybe if I just had a guide open the entire time. So, the story of Final Fantasy is a really fun one. Uh, back in the olden days, a man named Hironobu Sakaguchi worked for the video game development company Square. We've talked about Sakaguchi before. Pretty much every time a game before, I think, 10 came out. And one of Sakaguchi's dream projects happened to be to create an RPG inspired by Western creations like Dungeons and & Dragons and the Ultima series. But Square was not really convinced that this game would sell, uh, and continually rejected his proposal for the project. I guess games like this back then really didn't sell super well. That is, until another game developer, Enix, released 1986's Dragon Quest, and oh, what do you know, it was an absolute smash hit in Japan, and suddenly, Square was a lot more into the idea of releasing an RPG of their own, and so Sakaguchi was finally given permission to start the project. And at first, the team was only made up of a few developers, as Sakaguchi had only managed to convince writer Kenji Tarada, as well as designers Koichi Ishii and Akitoshi Kawazu, to join him. Uh, Kawazu became in charge of the combat encounters and mechanics, and it was actually his doing that the game features enemies with elemental weaknesses, because... I guess RPGs, JRPGs, did not have this back then. And he had kind of become fond of the concept by playing Western tabletop games. He enjoyed that you could strategize with your elements and stuff. Kawazu is also the one who suggested letting the player pick their character classes at the start, saying that in his opinion, quote, the fun in an RPG begins when you create a character. I don't know. How much I'd say you're creating a character when all you're doing is picking what class they are, but who am I to say? Uh, Ishii, however, is responsible for the importance of crystals to the game's story, a theme that would fly all the way through Final Fantasy. Crystals are a big thing in the entire franchise. A lot of stories feature crystals of some kind. And the scenario itself was written by Tarada, based on the writing work of Sakaguchi. One of the most famous parts of Final Fantasy outside of the game is the character artwork by illustrator Yoshitaka Amano. If you've ever seen official art of a Final Fantasy character, especially the older ones, it was probably Amano. Sakaguchi apparently actually rejected the idea of approaching Amano at first. Ishii had gone to him and said, hey, this artist is good, we should hire this one. However, later in the project, Sakaguchi went to Ishii and showed him some magazine art clippings and said, this is the art style I want. And Ishii, I assume absolutely giddy, said, yeah, that art was done by Yoshitaka Amano. So they hired Yoshitaka Amano. And then the team eventually grew to seven members, including the game's main programmer, who was an Iranian-American named Nasir Gebeli. Despite Gebeli's attempts to understand everything about the game, Sakaguchi actually suggested he just code in accordance to the design concepts he was given, because uh, Sakaguchi just didn't want to have to explain everything to him. Uh, and Gabelli is apparently responsible for what is considered the first dungeon minigame in a JRPG, uh, because in one of the dungeons he included a slide puzzle, despite it not being in the original design of the game. So now every time you're in a JRPG and you have to do a slide puzzle, 
you can blame him. It's actually legitimately his fault. Eventually, other members of the company started to think that, you know, maybe Sakaguchi and his team are onto something, and so even more people joined the team. That being said, the team was still kind of unpopular within Square overall, and the higher-ups in the company clearly still did not have a large amount of faith in Sakaguchi or his team to make a game that would make money. And so this was their motivation, to make sure that they made the best game they possibly could. Remember, kids, there is no more powerful motivator on this earth than Spite. Spite could power cities, if given the chance. The other interesting thing about Final Fantasy is, why is it called Final Fantasy? How did that come about? Uh, there are a lot of myths about this, but according to Sakaguchi, the name originated from the fact that, from the beginning, they wanted a name that could be abbreviated to FF. This made it easy to abbreviate in Latin letters, as well as kept it at four syllables in Japanese, FFU. The original working title was Fighting Fantasy, but they ended up having to change it because of a choose-your-own-adventure book series with the same name, because they obviously didn't want to get sued. But why final? Uh, according to composer Nobuo Uematsu, it came from two places. If this game failed, Sakaguchi would have to leave the industry. And Square was also possibly on the verge of bankruptcy, so if this game had failed, it would possibly be the final game the company ever released. Though Sakaguchi has apparently since said it wasn't so dramatic as that, uh, saying, quote, It was definitely a back-to-the-wall type situation back then, but any word that starts with an F would have been fine. At release, Square only planned to distribute 200,000 copies of the game in Japan, but Sakaguchi eventually persuaded them into bumping it up to 400,000 in order to increase the possibility of a sequel getting greenlit. And then the game went on to sell 520,000 copies in Japan. It also saw modest success in North America after being localized by Nintendo of America, Again, as a result of the successful localization of Dragon Quest, which also sold pretty well here. And, uh, no version of Final Fantasy 1 would be released in the PAL regions until the PlayStation 1 version in 2003. Uh, Final Fantasy was critically popular, commercially successful. It's been re-released and remade to hell and back over the years. Usually still receives pretty good reviews when it does so though obviously it has aged in the over 30 years since its release, which does set it back a little bit, uh, but critics usually still review it pretty alright. And look, do I even need to tell you about the legacy of Final Fantasy? It is now one of the biggest JRPG franchises in the world, with Square being one of the most powerful publishers in Japan. There are 15 mainline games, almost 16 in the next couple months, and there are so many spin-off series like Crystal Chronicles and Type Zero and Theatrhythm that we would be here all day if I tried to name all of them. It's Final Fantasy. It's one of the biggest, most prominent franchises on this earth. I would love to talk about our composer this week being Ryoe Takagi, but unfortunately I could not find a lot of information on her. I found that she was born on July 18th, but year unknown, and exact place unknown, but she was born in Japan, and that's it. That's all I could find. That's basically all. 
In terms of her discography, she has done work sometimes on arrangements, sometimes on music programming, stuff like that. Uh, her discography includes Virtual Bowling, Kirby's Block Ball, which is a game that I learned existed last month, and I cannot believe it came up here. Did you know that they at one point made a Kirby breakout game? Me neither until recently. Didn't look very good. Uh, Resident Evil Zero, Dragon Quest Monsters Caravan Heart, Dragon Quest VIII, Journey of the Cursed King, Brain Age 2, Final Fantasy V Advance, Dragon Quest IX, Sentinels of the Starry Skies, Monster Hunter Online, Fortune Street, Mobius Final Fantasy, and of course, I'm bringing her up for Final Fantasy I because she is credited as an arranger on all of the Pixel remasters. Now in terms of research on the music itself, again, not a lot of information on it outside of a couple of uh, stories, one that I very much like. But uh, one thing that I found interesting is that while Nobuo Uematsu would go on from this game to be known as the Final Fantasy guy, he's the father of Final Fantasy music, this is actually his 16th soundtrack in his career. So he had 15 more games before this came out. That's kind of insane. So, let's get into those five critical tracks, shall we? And honestly, there's no song that I can start with other than critical track number one, The Prelude. This is the single most important song to come out of this game. Uh, the prelude is included in some form in every single Final Fantasy game. All of them. Somewhere in that game, you will find this song, whether it's on the menu screen, or as part of a different song in some other part of the soundtrack, or the ending screen. It's in there. And it's really cool because according to Uematsu, uh, this song was a last-minute composition, as they realized very close to the delivery date that uh, they wanted to put a song on the title screen. And so they went to Uematsu and said, Oh my god, we don't have time. You need We need a song right now. And so he apparently composed this song in roughly ten minutes. And then it became a defining part of the Final Fantasy series. And he does not understand why but that's just sort of how it shook out. And I mean, it's a very, very gorgeous piece. It's hard to tell uh, from the 8-bit that you're hearing now, but eventually the song would essentially be completely transferred over to the harp, where it sounds absolutely gorgeous. It's an incredibly simple piece of just climbing notes and then falling notes, and... It works super, super well, especially in later renditions when they add a secondary melody to it that's not present in this version, but uh, this is the title screen music for Final Fantasy 1, and it would go on to essentially help define Final Fantasy 
as an identity, sort of. And speaking of Final Fantasy as an identity, you can also kind of say that about Critical Track number two. This is Opening Theme. Now, there is a track called Main Theme on the soundtrack, and you'd think I would put that instead of this, except for the fact that when music does callbacks to Final Fantasy 1 and other Final Fantasy games, they use this one. Most notably, the first one that comes to mind is uh, at the end of Melodies of Life of Final Fantasy 9, there's an arrangement of this song. There's an arrangement of this song in Final Fantasy XII, uh, when the Atrothem did its big special celebration medley in Curtain Call. It starts with this song. This song has essentially become the theme of Final Fantasy almost as a whole. I'd say it is almost as important as the prelude in general, though it doesn't show up as much. But the main theme of Final Fantasy 1, the one that's supposedly actually officially the main theme, doesn't really show up as much as this one. So I think this is the more important track to highlight. And I mean, it's really, really good. It has a very neat sort of fantasy feeling to it, despite the 8-bit. I think it works super well with the Famicom NES sound chip. Uh, and uh, it's just neat to listen to. One of my personal favorites in the game is another song that is used in a lot of places, especially in Theatrhythm. Critical track number three is Chaos Shrine. song you hear a lot in other games once again, especially like I said in Theatrhythm, where there are a lot of like battle renditions of it, and it's really really cool when you make it like that, but honestly I just think the melody of this song is super super catchy, and it's just kind of cool. I don't know what else to say other than it's a fun song. I don't know if this is like a special dungeon or something. I don't know what the Chaos Shrine is. But the song is cool. What else do you need? Critical Track number four is also, again, look, they're all majorly important songs. Uh, but this one is another one that's very, very fun. This is Battle. Thank you. 
Uh, of course, this is the regular battle theme of Final Fantasy 1. It's, again, just a very, very catchy song. It's the start of the bass line, one of the most famous bass lines in video games. I think other games would do it better, obviously, later, but this is where it started. This is the origin. Not to mention, this might be, I think, my favorite of the 8-bit battle themes for the NES Final Fantasy games. Uh, I think this one's the best. Uh, there are a couple in, I think, three that kind of give it a run for its money, but honestly, I think this is the best one. It's just catchy, it's fun, and uh, it's just good. But no, you want to know the most important song in the game? They're all the most important song in the game, but I think this one kind of trumps almost even the prelude. Critical check number five is... Victory. This is THE victory theme, and I don't mean of the game, and I don't mean of Final Fantasy, I mean of video games. This is the most iconic, recognizable victory jingle in the medium. Everybody knows this jingle. Dun 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 Everybody knows it. It's in almost every single Final Fantasy game. I think the only one that doesn't use it is 13? There might be one other, but I know for a fact 13 does not use it. But pretty much a rem the remainder of the main series uses this as their victory theme. It is the victory theme that people go to when they have to hum a victory theme. I don't know what else to say other than this is possibly among the most important songs to ever come out of a video game. It's great, it's triumphant, it's fun, and there's a reason why it continues to be beloved to this day. For tracks on the cutting room floor, uh, of course I have two, as usual. The first one is Town. sure is a town theme. That sounds like a town theme that would go on to sort of inspire every other town theme of every other JRPG there would ever be for the rest of time. Not that that is a bad thing, uh, but it feels very peaceful and happy and town-like. I really don't know what else to say other than it just sounds nice. And my other track on the cutting room floor is Mount Golg. Mount Golg. 
I know absolutely nothing about Mount Golg, but I do know that this song is really weirdly energetic for a mountain. I mean, I guess if you're climbing a mountain, you feel heroic and that feels kind of cool. Maybe that's what it is. I have no idea. All I know is that this song is very catchy and I like it a lot. And so that's how it ended up here. So what will I never forget about Final Fantasy? It's the soundtrack, pretty much. I have not played it. I've played later Final Fantasy games, but I have not played Final Fantasy 1. I've not played a game earlier than 7. Uh, maybe one day. Maybe one day. But that's really it. I, I have nothing else. My connection to Final Fantasy 1 is entirely through its soundtrack, mostly because of Theatrhythm. So, hey, if you like Final Fantasy music, you should go buy Theatrhythm. It's really, really, really good. And uh, it's got a fantastic musical selection, including the songs you just heard. Most of them, at least. I don't think it has town. But that's the only one as far as I'm aware. So, that'll do it for this week on Original Sound Chat. You can find us on Twitter at Pete Speakeasy for Peter. And for me, you can find me at String Pixel for the video version of Original Sound Chat over on the Rhymes with Asia YouTube channel. But if you want the audio version that you can take with you, then you can get the audio version on every podcatcher that you can think of, as well as on anondino.squarespace.com. That means you can get it through Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, which is where we also happen to have a big old playlist of all of the music that we have talked about if it is on Spotify. And uh, yes, Final Fantasy 1 is on Spotify. The whole main series is on Spotify. Almost the entire series, but it's missing a lot of spinoffs. And also 10-2 for some reason. Really weird thing to leave off. Meanwhile, also, Kingdom Hearts 1.5 and 2.5, we have talked about both Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2. So those will also find their way onto the playlist uh, very soon. And you can find the show on social media at Soundchat OST. And you can give us feedback, you can give us suggestions. Hey, I plan on doing a lot of listener suggestions this year. I already have a bunch written down on the schedule. And if you want to add to that list, you can tweet at us. And we might add your song or your game to the list. So, for next week, I'm going to be talking about Hideki Sakamoto. Meanwhile, Peter will be talking about Oleksa Lozauchik. Now to play us out, uh, Peter suggested a uh, a Final Fantasy rap song that was very nice. But for me, I wanted to do this orchestrated version of the battle theme that I found because I think it's a really, really good representation of how well the battle theme translates to real instrumentation. And I just think it's kind of cool. This specific arrangement was done by Nathaniel Platier. That's N-A-T-H-A-N-A-E-L-P-L-A-T-I-E-R on YouTube. It's just called Battle Orchestrated. And it's really good, honestly. I enjoy it quite a bit. So I hope you enjoy that. Thank you for listening to Original Sound Chat. We will see you next time. Take care.